The Carolina Panthers 2022 NFL season has concluded with a 10-7 win over the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers sweep the Saints for the first time in several years. And we are back with another episode of the 704 Cast. I'm your host, Matt Wood. Joining me is Wes Harrison and Corey Adams. As always, guys, hope you're doing well. Season's over with. It's a bit of a bittersweet end, um, I guess you could say. Um, Not the season we all hoped it would be, but some good came of it. Rule is no longer employed by this franchise, which we've beaten to death. But, um, you know, we're looking to the future. There's a optimism in the air. And, uh, yeah, so excited for the offseason. Yeah, I mean, what Corey said, it's um, not the outcome you ever want from a season is missing the playoffs. But um, some reason for optimism going into – the 2023 season with a new coach full-time coach coming whether that be Wilkes staying or or um, a, a new coach coming in altogether but they they get a full off season they get to pick get pick their guys get their get their system in place and and all of that and even if it is Wilkes it'll be a new offensive scheme so um, looking forward to it, looking forward to talking more about that coaching search and just uh, moving on from the 2022 season yeah we'll get into the uh, off season and the coaching carousel um the coaching search is already underway but we'll talk about that later in the show um did want to touch briefly on the saints game before we move into that and, and a little bit on steve wilkes i mean the job that he done ha- has done it can't be understated it can't be undersold um i mean to turn this team around from from one and four to you know for him to go six and six uh in his time here without christian mccaffrey dealing with the locker room stuff with Robbie Anderson. I, I mean, I don't think that any of us should be surprised about the character of Steve Wilkes, but the the job that he did here this season, um, I mean, it's nothing short of, you know, to use that term, Dave Tepper used uh, uh, pretty incredible. So, uh, I mean, hats off to Steve. Uh, you know, he took, took the uh, shitty situation that he walked into and, and made the most out of it. And I think that, you know, he's proven it. You know, if it's not with us, I mean, he, he deserves a shot as an NFL head coach uh, again, um, you know, after being done dirty in Arizona. But shifting gears a little bit, let's talk uh, uh, about the Saints game. Um, I don't think that many of us uh, in in here wanted us to win that game. I know it wasn't much of a difference in draft pick, but, I mean, I'm always going to cheer to beat the Saints. Uh, it was an ugly game. Uh, Sam only even think, got to 50 yards passing, uh, and we ultimately won. I, I will say, you know, I'm happy for Freddie Pinheiro to, to bounce back after his rough stretch there with Atlanta and you know, people calling for, for his job. Uh, it was it was good to see him make that game-winning kick, so uh, I'm happy happy for him. But I'll uh, I'll let you guys take it, take it over a little bit here. Um, Wes and Corey, your thoughts on, on the Saints game? Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think... Talked about it a little bit in, I think, the group chat and before here. But watching that game, even with the outcome it was, to me, kind of solidifies what, what I said last week of, of not really wanting uh, Wilkes to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers next year. Games like that aren't fun to watch. That that wasn't a very well-coached game to me. I know um, that, that, that they didn't have much to play for, but uh, it just... 
and I really like Wilkes, and that's tough to say, but it just was not a great offensive game, and I think that's you're signing up for more of that if you um, if if you sign up for Wilkes. Defense was fine, but again, um, New Orleans didn't have much to play for either, uh, so they they weren't exactly out there with their best stuff. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say. Some of the young guys got got some time. The injuries really sucked. Uh, Brady with the 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 broken ankle and Corbett with the ACL. Um, that one's certainly going to impact him coming into next year. I would think Brady's probably fine coming into camp, but um, yeah, that's that's not how you want to end end the season. Is your probably second, maybe third best offensive lineman this year as far as grading out and 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 contributions to the team getting hurt. So yeah, you know. Going into the game, you know, I, I, it, I'm on record. I, I, I loathe that franchise. I cannot. There, if there's a franchise I hate more than the NFL anywhere, I just I can't stand the Saints. So, you know, I was a little bit torn, uh, and then I just reserved myself to the fact that we we weren't really going to hurt ourselves too awful much in the draft scenario. So, you know what? Just go out and beat the Saints because it's always fun to beat the Saints. Um, and I will say that I, I don't think it was as as bad a coach game as some would leave you to believe. I mean, the Saints came in looking pretty good. Like they had, you know, they they went on a little, if you want to call it a run, a, a little bit of a baby run offensively, had figured some things out, been playing pretty well the past couple of weeks. And um, when they started out on that first drive, I thought, you know, that we're going to get our doors blown off, honestly, because – I don't think we looked like we wanted to be there uh, in the first few series, um, but the, then to you know to hold them to seven points and not really doing anything on offense. And I, I want to think I want to say I think they only had like forty rushing yards in the second half. Um, you know that, that's that, that was a good effort uh, on the defensive side of the ball because that first drive Olave looked like he might go for for a buck fifty. Um, in the secondary. So um, I thought some good adjustments were made on the defensive side of the ball, but um, on offense, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. it just putrid, terrible. Um, didn't like the, the, the game plan. Um, the offensive line had probably its worst outing of the season um, as a whole. Um, and I don't think that that is um, – I don't. What's the word for it? Not conjecture, but I don't. I don't think that's saying anything out of out of place. I think it was legitimately their worst game of the season. Sam, who had played well, had you know came in and played extremely well, went five of fifteen for forty three yards and two interceptions. I think he had like a, a two point something QB rating. Yeah, that's as bad as bad as it gets. Uh, he definitely reverted back to old Sam. Um, with that pressure in his face um, and uh, yeah, the clock struck midnight on the uh, bearded Sam Darnold. So <laughs> ugly, ugly performance. Yeah. I mean, he, fairness to Sam, he did have Michael Jordan uh, filling in for Brady when Brady went down and we all know how we feel about Michael Jordan and his talent as a uh, offensive lineman. Although some people will lead you to believe that he is a starting guard in this league and that is just not the not the truth. It's the furthest thing from it. 
but I, it was encouraging to see Cade Mays get some snaps when Corbett went down. Obviously, you hate to see those uh, two guys in Brady and Austin uh, go down, especially with how our offensive line has stayed healthy throughout the year, except for the, the injury to Pat Elfline, which, as we know, was a, was a blessing in the emergence of, of Bradley Bozeman. Um, but but you nailed it, Corey. I mean, Sam, awful, uh, 5 for 15, 43 yards. Uh, Dante Foreman was the bright spot of the offense until he was ejected for the, for the punch he threw on Marcus Davenport and that little uh, scuffle. But, you know, that's, that's stuff that you like to see. I mean, we haven't seen – you know that that since uh, was that the 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 Cam um, uh, Brandon Williams uh, yeah. getting involved with the with the Saints a few years ago that uh, I think that was the year that we I think it was 2014 uh, actually that that win sparked the the turnaround so um, I, I never mind getting into those little uh, mix ups with with the Saints but uh, when Foreman went down he's averaging about six yards a carry and then Chuba came in and. Still uh, 69 yards, I believe, on 21 rush attempts, so not great, like three yards a carry. Um, and Foreman got that on, on 12 uh, carries. Uh, it's, it's tough to win those games. It was an ugly game. Um, escaped with the with the 10-7 win. You know, got to seven wins. Uh, first time we've done that in several years. Uh, Steve Wilkes topped Matt Rule's uh, single-season win total in five less games. So, <laughs> it... Uh, yeah, uh, that's really all all I can say about the game, bright spots of it. We didn't have uh, Brian Burns, didn't have Matt Ioannidis, so we're missing some pieces. I just saw that Marquise Haynes uh, actually played that game with a grade two uh, MCL sprain, so in what could be his last game as a Panther, but hopefully, hopefully it's not because um, Marquise proves that he's a, a, a good situational piece to have on this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you you had flashes from a couple of players. Like I know Amari Barno mm-hmm. had a had a nice sack there at the end uh, when he had his opportunity called. Um, I thought C.J. Henderson had a good game. He just continued the Jekyll and Hyde nature of that is C.J. Henderson. Um, but you know, I, the one positive about the game is it didn't go to overtime. I was sitting there at the end of the game just screaming at my TV, please don't go to overtime, so I have to watch more of this. So that's a positive note. Yeah, and and talking about that, I mean, let, does anybody else have anything to say kind of on Saints in particular? No, I mean, Corey nailed it with the with um, force fumble and the Xavier Woods recovery. I mean, it's good to see CJ bounce back after he just got shitted on last week, rightfully so. Uh, so it was nice to see CJ make that play, but you just want that consistency. I know Wilkes sang his praises in the post game uh, after last week, so uh, you know it's good for him. A good you know young player trying to improve and, and move forward and put those mistakes behind him. Um, and, and you know, Josh, I feel like Josh Norman wasn't awful. He's clearly out of shape. Um, you know, he's he's thirty five and he's maybe lose a little bit of weight if he wants to come back next year. I mean, would definitely like to have him, but I don't think. Josh would have been any worse than, you know, what we had out there last week against Tampa, but neither here nor there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and on the note of like, just getting to see old young guys and, and show them their, to show what they got, what I saw a list on Twitter this week of kind of accolades for the Panthers. And um, I quoted it with my answers and I kind of wanted to get everybody's take on that. And I'll, I'll save mine for last. Cause you guys already know them anyway, but, um, most improved player this year? Uh, Frankie? Final answer? 
yeah, I, I think that I would probably go with Frankie, which is crazy because I mean he had a great year last year, but you know what he did this year. I think he had it was one tackle for loss shy of Luke's franchise record. Nineteen tackles for loss over a hundred tackles. I mean, come on, what else? What else do you want out of a position to need? That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with Derek Brown. I think that's kind of an obvious answer. Um, but, you know, I really think, especially early on to midseason, I mean, he really, really exploded onto the map. And you saw what that first round uh, pedigree um, was for. Um, and I thought he, he played pretty outstanding for the majority of the season. So um, he definitely turned, changed my mind on him this year. So um, kind of disappeared a little bit as the season got deep into, you know, November and December, but um, some, some good highlights. Yeah. I could not pick two, just one on this one. I've got two, I've got an offense guy and a defensive guy. It's the only category I did that for, but uh, I said Derek Brown on the defensive side and I said Sam Darnold on the offensive side. Um, I, was, I was thinking about Sam. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I, I still don't want him to be my starting quarterback next year, but he showed me that he could win a job for a team that's not going to be a playoff team. Um, and he's going to be a he's going to be one of those guys that just keeps getting backup quarterback contracts. And the, and we're like, how is that guy still in the league? I he's got enough to do that. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a tricky category. I mean, you could say, I mean, even your boy with uh, Terrace Marshall, even I mean, not, that not was to the thought. level that you know yeah. Derek, uh, the improvement he made, or, or Frankie, or that. But I mean, you know, he, I think he did some good things well, and definitely made a, a leap this year. Uh, you know, going from a, you know, didn't utilize him to you know what he's you know the catches he made down the stretch, and then also um, you know Tommy Trimble had a, had a you know a, a decent. Uh, last stretch of the season, I think he did some things well and caught, uh, you know, some big touchdowns. So, um, utilization percentage there on on Terrace and and how utilized, I think, still bought him, bit him in the foot, especially early in the season. And then Tommy, yeah, I think Tommy could could be a very good complement tight end to to whatever tight end one we want to have because it's not Ian Thomas, but um, not the yeah. point of this segment. But uh, most yeah. underrated next is the next one. Corey, we'll start with you. Okay, for this, are, are, are we saying most underrated by Panthers fans or just in general? Whatever, however you interpret it. Okay, because I interpret it as I think Frankie Louvu is the most underrated player in the NFL, or one of them. That's, I, I, you could put Frankie as the answer f- for the first three ones, th- the, the first three here, in, in my opinion, and not be wrong. So I, I don't, I, I don't hate that. Uh, when I mean, I, I just feel like if I'm looking for what an ideal will linebacker looks like. It's Frankie Luvu and the way he plays with his head on fire, um, just unselfish, just doing the dirty work and making splash plays. I mean, he's just, uh, he's a freaking monster and he has literally cemented himself as probably my favorite player on the roster going forward. I, I mean, I, I'm a huge Frankie Stan. At this point, so I, I said it in in the group chat. Did you see him say in in at the end of that video, uh, three four out? See y'all next year. Yeah, he better be back. Is all yes. I uh, that I was I was hoping that was some foreshadowing. Uh, Matt, who's yours? Oh man, I 
it's crazy that this name is even in my mind, but I got two, and they're both on the line. But Icky. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a that's a good one because everybody came in and expected him to just be all world, but yeah, he's a left tackle who did, whose name didn't get called much. That's what exactly what you want. You, that's what that's what you want out of your left tackle. You don't you want your left tackle to be his name never get called because if he got called, it means he gave up sack. Like well, the, the offensive line got talked about, you know, for the better half of the you know Wilkes tenure. Uh, but when's the last time you said, you know, hey, you know, look at Icky. I mean, yeah, having a left tackle where you don't have to worry about you know, your blind side. Yeah, I mean, he got beat a few times, you know, throughout the season, of course. But, you know, for a rookie left tackle to come in and perform as well as he did and not really get talked about. Well, it's like you look at like underrated for for people who have crazy expectations that we're going to get a day one Tyron Smith at left tackle. I mean, look at Andrew Thomas. I mean, people were calling that a bust. And now he's literally probably one of the best – tackles in the NFL had had an amazing season. I mean, it's, it's the hard, one of the hardest positions in football and he's a rookie. I don't know what people expected, but you know, he's going to have hiccups along the way. Every player does look at him compared to Neil and cross. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, one guy I was big on that had a great year was Amari Sawyer, but you know, other than them, you know, I think he was right up there with like the top. So, all right, uh, mine is Marquise Haynes. Uh, I, I mean, that underrated edge, second edge rusher for us, in my opinion, all year long, um, just showed up when we needed him to. Crucial situational pass rusher. Yep. If you can find a legitimate every down second edge, he can become even more valuable um, in spelling people and coming in situations. So that's, yeah, good answer. So, okay. Um, most valuable. I think I know what all three of our answers is going to be here, but um, we'll let Matt start it off. Most valuable player. You can use the same name twice. <laughs> It's, it's it's Frankie. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's Frankie. If you take Frankie off of that defense, tell me tell me what that linebacking core looks like. Um, Damian Wilson was a was a waste of a signing. Uh, lost his starting job. I don't even think he was registering any snaps outside of special teams down the stretch. And Corey Littleton was taking his starting spot. You know, Corey Littleton's a, a fine you know fourth linebacker to have for your core. You know, he's not a starting no linebacker in this in this league. And you know, Shaq had a, a rough first half of the season. I mean, he improved as the season went on, but I think a lot of that was just coming back from, uh, you know, his injury and in in his surgery in the off season. Uh, but then you add in Frankie Louvu and I mean, it's just, I mean, the guy's everywhere. And we've, you know, we saw that last year um, when Phil Snow was running his NASCAR package and um, just letting him unleash havoc. But to see the stats that he put up this year, I mean, had a hundred, had over a hundred tackles, 19 tackles for loss. I mean, just took that next step. And this is a young guy who's, very important to this team and his energy and, you know, what he brings to the field is, I mean, it's, it's key. You, you have to have that for your defense. And I think if you put a uh, high level middle linebacker next to him, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit for what he can do. Corey. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have another guy. It's, it's Frankie. He, he, he was the brightest spot of the season. Um, he, 
clearly should be every fan's most valuable player for this year because, I mean, he just led the way. Um, he's a heartbeat of the of the defense. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Lubu. Uh, that's priority probably three for me this offseason. Uh, get the right head coach, get the right quarterback, and resign Lubu. Um, okay, moving on. Most disappointing player. Ooh. Uh, Corey. Uh, okay. Um, I have two. I want to preface my first one by saying it's not his fault. I think it's the way he's utilized. Um, but Jeremy Chin, and I think that you could like just say the way we use Jeremy Chin is disappointing. I think he's a great player. Um, I don't think he's being utilized correctly. Um, and you know, that's on scheme and that's on coaching. He, he does everything he's asked to do at an average to above average level. I just feel like if you put him in better situations that he can be that impact player that you need him and want him to be. Um, and I know that he was injured. Um, I got to quantify that, but yeah, that he's just, his utilization is disappointment and I'm going to get flamed. I'm going to get whatever, but um, I know Brian Burns had the most sacks that he's had in his NFL career, but I just keep waiting, keep waiting for Brian Burns to be this just game changing impact player. And it seems like when we need him the most in the most critical games, he's nowhere to be found. Um, and I know that pressures are important. I know that, you know, getting chipped and doubled and, and not having another edge is are all valid points. And I understand that. All right. But when you draft an edge like that in the first round, I expect him to make an impact when it matters most. And I just, I don't see it. And I, I, I like Brian Burns. I want to keep Brian Burns, but at this point, you know, uh, we're going to pay him a huge contract and he's going to get that money, but I need more. Um, and maybe that's selfish. Maybe that's me being an idiot. I don't know, but I, I just need more. I need to see more. Um, yeah. So flame away, but that's mine. I mean, you're not going to get disagreement here on, on Burns being disappointed. He's not my most, but uh, I still, I think I said the other day, I still think that not trading him was a mistake. And I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over again, because you don't turn down that many assets and then turn around and pay a guy who disappears in the big games. And he, he does. And I had just a nightmare situation pop off in my head after the, the, the Sean McVay, possibly even the Rams and them falling apart type of scenario that may happen. What if that pick is one, one next, next year. And that's the pick that could get you K could, could either get you Caleb Williams or get the hall that gets Caleb Williams. <laughs> thinking about it. Uh, I, I mean, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt, who's your most disappointing? Not to get us on that. Uh... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not touching the Burns topic at the moment. I, that, I'll, I'll get off track and get on a tangent, so I'm not even going to do that. Uh, it's Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Jeremy Chin uh, had his worst season as a pro. I mean, I know it's year three, but I mean, since he's been in the league, yeah. I mean, the style and 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 how he's 
been utilized has, has changed tremendously. Um, you know, when he came into the league, uh, 117 tackles. I mean, he was everywhere. I mean, he he made up for you know that loss of of Luke and even TD. Um, but every year since his his tackles have gone down. I mean, he went from 117 uh, to 107 last year to this year just 69, uh, and only one sack. So yeah, I mean, he he stayed consistent with just one sack a uh, um, a year. But you know, and, and part of that is him playing uh, safety. You're not going to expect a lot of uh, sacks out of that position, but yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, what what are we doing with him? You know, he needs to play in the box. He needs to be utilized more as a linebacker. I think um, you know, he's proven that you know he, he can be that you know be flying around with the ball in a similar fashion as as Frankie. Uh, just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, Holcomb put him in not the best of positions. I mean, why do we have Jeremy Chin, you know, defending Deontay Johnson um, by himself? You know, in we we saw that several times down the stretch of the season. So I mean, part of it's about how he's used, but also I mean, just a just a disappointing season all around from a guy who was, um, you know, considered a big cornerstone of this this defense moving forward. I mean, he was, you know, him and him and Brian Burns, the name that's mentioned uh, as the the future leaders of this defense. But I mean, Jeremy's just got to you know bounce back and hopefully with a, a new defensive coordinator and a new new system, um, we'll see some improvement. Um, We'll, we'll see how he's used moving forward. But, yeah, after the season that he had, it's just, you know, not encouraging. Yep, Chin, Chin's my answer, too. Um, best lineman on the season. Or most important or most or most valuable, however you want to. It's both, um, Bozeman? I think it's where I'm at. Same here. Bozeman for me. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Bozeman. And, you know, he can tell that he's really – grabbed hold of that leadership role, um, making line calls, making the protection calls, um, the heartbeat, the leader of that unit. So um, he is another top priority this offseason, get him re-signed. And from reports from Scott's interview earlier, um, they have spoken. Bozeman wants to be here. His wife wants to be here. So, yeah, I hope that gets done sooner rather than later. Yeah, she's been big in the Panthers Twitter community, and they seem to really love Charlotte. This is where their kid's going to be born. Um, so I, I would love to make him just a part of the team for the for several years to come. Yeah, um, we've been trying to replace Ryan Khalil since he retired, right? And then, you know, uh, Bozeman signs here ultimately because of James Campen and um, took less money. He's on record saying that. And then he just needed an opportunity for some reason, you know, dipshit rule wanted to stick with uh, Pat Elfline at center. And, you know, to you know, Pat's credit, he did play better at that position. Uh, you know, he's not a guard. He is a center in this league. Uh, but, you know, Bozeman just is, is better. And I think that we all knew that going into the season. Um, just needed his opportunity to show that he belonged. And, um, I mean, he's a, he's a key piece of this line moving forward. Uh, everybody else is under contract or, you know, rookie deal or, uh, on a on a team friendly deal like Austin Corbett, but uh, you know Bozeman is kind of the the heart of that line, and he showed how much the the run game improved when he you know, got the full time starting center position. Absolutely outstanding in the running game. Outstanding in the run game. Yeah, uh, he he tested uh, or excuse me, he graded out top ten in run blocking. Uh, I think I saw the stats today. Him, Brady, and Corbett were all uh, top ten. And um, run blocking grades for the for their positions. 
yeah, then nothing to add there. So last one is best coaching job, best coach, most valuable coach, whatever you want to call it. There's going to be some mad ones for, 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 sure. for the one I'm, for the one I'm leaving out on this one, but I'll, I'll start us off. I'm, it's camping for me, this offensive line turnaround. I know he's got a better offensive line, but it's it, for me, it's camping. I'll say Steve Wilkes. I, I think he did an out, outstanding job um, making, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, he really steadied the ship, um, you know, rebuilt a little bit of culture and uh, did things that, you know, I didn't think we'd see this year. So Steve Wilkes gets an attaboy from me. It's it's Steve Wilkes for me, but I don't want to leave out Chris Tabor because after watching our special teams just be shit for the last few years and to finally have some uh, continuity uh, for that team. I mean, Sam Franklin took a jump forward, uh, you know, became one of the best gunners in the National Football League, a Pro Bowl uh, selection, I believe. Um, you know, having Johnny Hecker back there, that, that changes things tremendously because, you know, we signed one of the best punters in the National Football League, if not the best punter. Um, and then also, when's the last time we blocked a field goal before this year? I think we, we had two in the last two weeks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that we hadn't seen in, in a long time. So, uh, you know, shout out to him too, but, but Steve Wilkes is the answer, I, I think. And that's not to take anything away from camping because, you know, he is a hell of a coach and he needs to be retained by whoever the future head coach is. Both of those guys do, um, you know, but, but the adversity that Wilkes overcame and, and what he did with his team, I mean, you know, going from. Uh, you know, we went from Baker to, to PJ to Sam, uh, and, and you know, I think everybody just bought in, and you know that was not the case with with Rule. And I mean, it's been said in the locker room, so I get why the guys are fighting for him. I mean, they believe him, they want to play for him. So, um, you know, hats off to, to Wilkes. He he uh, he proved that he belonged in this league, and and he was you know done wrong in Arizona, which everybody knows that. So, Steve Wilkes, no Matt Rule. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, he, um, he, he, can I, show, I, he can shove a corn cob up his ass right now. <laughs> I, I knew, be, I, I know people will probably be mad that I didn't say Wilkes, and and not that Wilkes did a bad job. Um, I just, I, I think it for me, it's camping all year long. Um, and they, like you said, tape camping and Tabor both need to be retained. And to be completely honest with you, I want an offensive head coach, and I'd love for Wilkes to stay on for one year, be your DC, and get his get his shot next year because i'm not sure he gets when's the last time an interim got a shot as the head coach elsewhere that year that next year i don't think it's common no i mean you look at at what uh rich basaccia did in um vegas last year i mean took over his interim led him to the playoffs but still wasn't enough to retain uh the job i think he interviewed with with vegas i don't think he got any interviews otherwhere anywhere else and then he's back to being a position coach yeah so it's tough it's very tough so I, I I don't I mean he he'll get a court a DC job offer somewhere I'm sure but I don't see him getting another head coaching offer if he doesn't get us yet but if he takes the head the DC offer here with the defense being ready made already I I I could see a situation where he gets he gets a lot of calls next year I mean that's it's got the potential if you put the right couple of pieces on that defense it's got the potential to be a top five defense next year just. I- well, and we can get into that, but that's just like 
It's a slap in the face. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is, and I don't ultimately think that he would accept it. I mean, I think that he would just feel like, yeah, it's it's a slap in the face. As much as he loves uh, the city of Charlotte and he loves the Carolina Panthers, I just, you know, I, I don't see him sticking around in that capacity because it's just like, you know, I'm I'm working for the guy that you picked over me. Like, yeah. what else do I got to do? Let's. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of hard when you're an interim coach because you're you're at a disadvantage because it's like, you know, none of the other teams really know like are they keeping him? Are they not keeping him? So like, you know, can they take interviews? Can we interview him? Uh, you know, I don't know if teams can request to interview him. I, I'm not sure that works the logistics behind that, but I mean, you know, it's 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 starting at a disadvantage. But like, I don't see a situation i mean it's going to take a, a heck of a guy as a head coach to come in and be like yeah i'm going to keep this guy that all the players absolutely adore and love um that are probably mad that i'm the head coach right most of the most of the guys you hear coming out though are on the defensive side of the ball yeah to be sure. fair to be yeah, fair, I think the the one guy who's kind of been quiet about it who came out this week was was DJ Moore. Uh, like on Monday when they were cleaning out lockers, he made a comment that, um, yeah, he wants to play for Wilkes and he's that guy. But you're right, yeah, a lot of that that that's come out of the the defensive side. So I mean, I get it. You know, they they've worked with him longer, so it makes sense. But we'll uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk about Wilkes a little bit uh, later in the show, um, and we'll, we'll dive into. You know this this whole coaching carousel here in just a minute, but first, uh, check this out. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? This past weekend, I bet on the Chiefs and the Jaguars. They both won. I was paid out instantly. How easy is that? So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. All right, so shifting gears a little bit, um, let's let's talk about the the coaching search in uh, more detail. So, so far we've requested what six or seven interviews: um, Jim Caldwell, Frank Reich, Ken Dorsey, Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, uh, Jim Caldwell, uh, obviously Steve Wilkes, and Mike Mike Kafka. I believe that that is currently the list. Uh, things can change. Uh, we're recording this to you on Tuesday night. So Steve Wilkes did complete his interview today. So that one's out of the way. Um, uh, initial thoughts. We'll, we'll dive into a breakdown on three of these guys today. We'll do Ben Johnson. And then obviously Steve Wilkes. And this process most likely is not going to be done before we get back to you guys next week. So we'll uh, do the other candidates and do an update then. Um, but, but starting out, um, Corey, uh, we'll, we'll go with you and, and Shane Steichen a little bit. So the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator um, spent time in San Diego and also Cleveland. Um, you know, a former quarterback in himself. He's he's kind of the guy who you know has has had a good track record with quarterbacks. I mean, you know, he has worked with Philip Rivers 
uh, Justin Herbert and now Jalen Hurts, but to see the leap that um, Jalen Hurts has made this season, you know, how much does he play into that? And, you know, what do you think he could bring to the Carolina Panthers? All right. So first off, just with the candidates list, um, there seems to be a trend there and it's a very encouraging trend. Um, Clear cut offensive coordinators with the exception of Steve Wilkes, obviously. Um, So that's positive, um, at least from my view. Now, some, not everybody sees that as being positive. Not everybody sees that as some way they want to go, but you know, if you've read through the tea leaves, which we've tried to preach this entire you know process, Tepper wants offense. He thinks this is an offensive league. Uh, you have to be good on offense to win. So that's what they've done with this list of candidates. And I, for one, am thrilled with the names. Um, my number one um, and the guy that, you know, didn't start out as my number one, um, but the more I've read about him, the more I've learned about him, the more I've watched about him, um, I've really started to come around, and he's my number one is Shane Steichen. Um, Matt, you you talked about his um, his past. Um, he was with the um, um, he was first of all he was an offensive assistant at Louisville. He broke into the league in 2012 with the Chargers. Um, actually on the defensive side of the ball. He was a defensive assistant. Um, he spent two years with the Chargers, went to the Cleveland Browns, offensive quality control slash quarterbacks coach, and then came back after one season to the Chargers, working with the wide receivers and offensive quality control. Um, spent a couple years with Phillip Rivers as the quarterbacks coach um, and um, Justin Herbert's rookie year uh, as well. Um, and then he became the interim offensive coordinator in 2019 um, and really turned that offense around that second half of the year when he took over um, and then became the full-time offensive coordinator in 2020 um, and then came with uh, Sirianni um, when he got the head coaching job to the Eagles. Um, you know, the rookie of the year, Justin Herbert in 2020, you know, he was the offensive coordinator for him. Um like I said, he's worked with freaking Philip Rivers, um, Jalen Hurts, huge part of his development. Um, and if you're looking for that kind of philosophy, um, think North Turner, um, deep shots mixed in with uh, layered, you know, intermediate routes. Um, but the good thing that about Steichen that everywhere I read, every source I go to says that he's not necessarily locked into one offensive identity. Um, he kind of fits what he does to the personnel, which is a, it's, it's, a, it's a great quality to have, um, not, only as a head, not only as an offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, um, to kind of mold and shape what you do with what your players' strengths are. Um, the Eagles have not necessarily been – great at any one thing but they've been good at like a bunch of different things um he he they're like top five in in rushing offense um while still being top 10 um in terms of uh passing concepts so um it's very varied um it's a lot of different personnel uh packages you know you're not going to see like we had earlier in the year with McAdoo where we had 
one offensive personnel package. You know, we had, you know, our our three wide receivers on the field were DJ Moore, Shai Smith, and um, Terrace Marshall. You know, you're going to see a bunch of different personnel packages. Um, you're going to see a bunch of different formations. You're going to see a bunch of different motions. Um, we're not just going to be throwing wild RPOs that you see on Fridays and Saturdays. You know, it's going to be blended in with, um, you know, counters and powers um it's it's i don't want to say it's complicated complex offense um it's just a varied offense it's it's forever changing it's forever evolving um and it it, it's really mixed and and varied game to game which is um something that i think needs to happen in today's nfl you have to be good at multiple things um depending on your opponent um, depending on your own personnel and taking advantage of um, when you sub personnel packages on taking advantage of mismatch that it creates how, how when the defenses adjust to those personnel packages. So, um, I mean, he runs 11 personnel, 12 personnel. Um, that's multiple tight ends, multiple wide receivers. So um, it's, it's, it's a fun offense um, and it doesn't have to be, like a Jalen Hurts style run, like quarterback that can run. You know, he's he's worked with a Justin Herbert who can get who is mobile and can run, um, but he can pass. You know, he's worked with Philip Rivers who is a, basically a statue. So you know, there isn't one type of quarterback that you're looking for in that system. So um, I think the leg up that for me with Shane Steichen as opposed to Ben Johnson who and Ken Dorsey who. I was really high on both early on in the year. And, you know, if, if one of them gets hired, I'm going to be thrilled either way. But his leg up becomes with um, just his personality. Um, everywhere you read, everything that you talk about is just how well he relates to players, his calm demeanor. Um, he, he really gets to know players really quickly, uh, endears himself to players really quickly. Players want to play for him. Players want to be coached by him. Um and he knows his stuff. Uh, apparently, he is a, a football nerd, quote unquote, um, from an article. He's been that way his whole life. He lives for this game. Um, and I just feel like he is, with his experience and what he's done in his time in the NFL, I feel like he he's more ready to, to take this mantle as a head coach than a guy like Ben Johnson, who I think is going to have a great future, um, or – Ken Dorsey, who, again, I think is going to have a great future. I think he's just more ready for this moment right now than those guys are. Um, so he's number one for me. Um, if you've watched the Eagles play this year, you'll understand. So um, don't, don't if you get on Eagles Twitter, they, they, there's people mad at Shane Steichen because of the way they used Jalen Hurts against Chicago this past game. Um, but, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, players play. Players need to play. If the quarterback can run, he's going to have to run. So that's either here or there. Uh, Shane Stockton is my number one. So. Yeah, uh, just to kind of piggyback on that, some points that you mentioned. I, um, one of the things that stood out to me when I was doing some research on him is that you know when his playing career ended at UNLV because he you know got hurt. Uh, his immediate thought process was you know hey what what's the next thing that I can get to? Let me transition. Uh, and he made that switch into coaching and, you know, was a graduate assistant. Um, and so, you know, just hit the ground running. But it's a it's a guy that, you know, lives and breathes football. 
I read an article uh, a while back. It was uh, Philip Rivers. I think it was Sports Illustrated. Uh, but it was before or as Rivers was getting ready to start working with Sykin and he had just um, Rivers overheard somebody doing cadences on a practice field and Rivers looked over and it was it was Sykin. He was just out there, you know, trying to find somebody to throw a ball to uh, and, and Rivers went over there to him and, and heard the calls and he said he said that that's how you that's how you you, you, you uh, deliver a cadence. And uh, that's like how they hit it off and um, they have a good relationship. They still talk. Uh, Rivers coaches, uh, uh, I believe it's a, not a pop Warner, but it's a, he coaches a team in uh, Alabama and him and Steichen text back and forth and they'll bounce plays off of each other. So it's cool to, you know, have somebody who, you know, is of that caliber of Philip Rivers and still keep that, um, you know, that, that communication open with an old coach. And it shows, you know, how highly they th- he thinks of, uh, of Steichen. Uh, one of the things that, that caught my attention was uh, an interview he gave when he first got hired with the Eagles. They were asking him about his his offensive style and um, you know what what it makes. I mean, what makes it up? And he said, you know, you really just have to adopt it to the players that you have. And so many people don't go about that way. They're stuck in their ways, and they you know won't tailor their offense to fit the you know the needs of the team or the you know the skills um, that their receivers and their weapons have. And and he's a guy who's clearly done that this year and. You know the Eagles are you know uh, uh, you know they're the one seed in the NFC uh, for for a reason, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean I I agree with uh, everything you guys have said analysis wise. I I would put Steichen as my two, um, and it's really not even two. It's one A one B that I would be absolutely thrilled with uh, his track record with quarterbacks and his track record with offense is great. Uh, I. Really, if we go with any offensive guy, I'm I'm gonna be happy. Um, I don't have I haven't really followed Steichen's career that that much. I've obviously paid attention to the Eagles games this year, and and I don't have anything more to add. But yeah, I, I like Steichen a lot. Yeah, and I think the last thing I want to say on Steichen is just you know. I, I feel with some of the connections he has um, with his tree, I feel like the staff he's going to be able to put together just with his um, references um, might lend itself to being a a little bit more quality than, than some of his other competition who are just younger guys who, you know, have been in the league, but they might not have that backing of like a Norv Turner, that stamp of approval from, you know, if Norv gives somebody their stamp of approval, you know, people around the league are going to, are going to listen to that. So um, that uh, I think a head coach is only as, especially a a rookie head coach is only as good as their, their staff. So, um, you know, whoever this hire ends up being, I hope they put together an amazing staff because that's really where success is found is, in the guys around you too, through one man's vision. So, um, Scott Turner, OC <laughs> wouldn't hate it. Um, I never thought I'd say that, but you know, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, Steichen's going to call the plays, <laughs> you know, so it doesn't matter, but, uh, that's, that's the one thing I, I think that I'm, when I'm looking at this, obviously there's a, there's a trend here, right? So, um, Tepper, has his defensive coach he's got Wilkes you know that that's fine um every other candidate is an offensive guy and the majority of those candidates is a former quarterback 
So, I mean, there's, there's a trend going here in that direction. And obviously a quarterback is a position that we've, you know, tried to get right ever since Cam uh, got hurt in 2018 and we've been unsuccessful about it. But I think if Steichen is the guy, then um, it bodes well as far as from a quarterback perspective, because a, you know, he, he's going to be aggressive in getting his guy, but also the development for Matt Corral is going to be in a good spot as well, because you know, you look at Steichen's record and, and he has a, a great track record with, with quarterbacks and, um, you know, by all accounts, he, he, he works well with them. So I think, you know, if you're Matt Corral, this is a guy that you can get excited about potentially being your next head coach um, and actually feel like you have a fair shake, even though he didn't have a hand in, in, in selecting you. But that, you know, it, it, that's where I'm at. Um, Steichen is... We're at we're at one A one B with me, uh, like like Wes said. Um, I will touch on my other top candidate. Uh, if you guys have anything else to add on on Steichen, I'm good. I'm good. All right, shifting gears a little bit, we'll talk about another former quarterback um, who has ties to the area in um, Ben Johnson. So Ben Johnson is kind of the, the hot name, the the new. Um, kid on the block, I guess you would say, um, but he doesn't have a, that much experience, um, at least call in plays. But that doesn't matter. Uh, what he did his first year was he led the Lions to the fourth uh, best offense in the National Football League, coming in right behind the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you watched any Lions game, you know that they have significantly less weapons than um, you know Philadelphia. So I think that the case can be made that Ben Johnson did more with less this season um, than any, anybody else uh, in the NFL. So um, Ben Johnson, like I said, he, he has ties to the Aries from Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, he walked on as a quarterback at North Carolina, uh, ended up getting his degree there. Uh, he was a part of the coaching staffs um, in Miami under Joe Philbin and Adam Gase uh, before transitioning to uh, Detroit, uh, where he was a tight ends coach uh, before becoming the offensive coordinator. Um, how all that came together was he spent time uh, when Dan Campbell was in uh, Miami when he was promoted to interim head coach uh, after uh, Joe Philbin was fired. Um, and, and that group down there, I mean, it was Jeff Nixon, uh, Dan Campbell, um, shoot, uh, Ben Johnson, and I, I want to say he spent some time with Zach Taylor as well. Um, Dan Campbell speaks very highly of Ben Johnson. He speaks the world of him. Um, says he thinks the kid's a rock star. So, Ben Johnson doesn't have your, your typical uh, years of play calling, but he also has the um, variety of positions um, that he's coached before. I mean, uh, you know, it's not every day that a tight ends coach is promoted to offensive coordinator and leads one of the best offenses in the National Football League. And, and so before he came in the league, he spent some time at Boston College as a graduate assistant uh, and then also um, coached their tight end group as well. But watching – the lines. There's some things that stand out. Um, before we got on here, I went back and watched the Buffalo and Detroit game, and just watching the all 22 of that, and just seeing how much pre-snap motions that uh, motion that Ben Johnson uses, and just to get the the offense or excuse me the defense all over the place. I mean, watching that game, golf had so many easy throws versus Josh Allen's um, offense. It's it was night and day. It's I mean, golf missed uh, some open throws that were touchdowns, but at the same point in time, like everything was easy. It was I mean, he just picked apart the the Buffalo defense from a play calling perspective. He outcoached 
Um, you know, Dorsey on the offensive side of the ball for sure. Um, and yeah, Aiden Hutchinson gave uh, their right tackle fits all game, but still, um, that that offense was just Josh Allen taking over and 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 being Josh Allen. But Ben Johnson, he does a great job at setting plays up. Um, you know, the Panay Sewell. Uh, catch that sealed the game a few weeks ago he had actually set that up and ran it with with different pieces um, actually using uh, Sewell as a lead blocker on a run uh, and then uh, filling that position in with a tight end and then going back to Sewell for ultimately the pass um, there is another game where he ran the same play but had a tight end leak out on a drag uh, and he was wide open for a first down there's just he's like one step ahead when you watch the film and know what's going on with the play calls from an offensive perspective, we have not had we have not had an ever, uh, even dating back to 2015. Some of the play calls, it's just the creativity that that's there. It's you can literally drop any quarterback into that offense and be successful. But if you give him an athlete back there, it's it's over. Um, I, the there's it's night and day with with what he was able to do versus what they were accustomed in years past. Um, specifically, he uses a lot of this, the same concepts that we run this year with loading up with offensive linemen on the, on the line, like seven seven guys out there of linemen. Um, you know, having a, a, a O-lineman in the backfield and then motion them to the line or just using them as a fullback like we did with Cade Mays. Um, ben Johnson uses some of those same concepts. Uh, his creativity that he gets, as far as production-wise, out of his tight ends – Detroit may have worse tight ends now after trading Hawkinson than, than we had this season. But there was several times where they're wide open. I mean, Shane Zilstra had, what, three touchdown catches against us when they came here? So it's just, you know, he gets a lot out of the pieces that he has. And if you give this guy actual weapons other than, you know, Sun God and, you know, that backfield that they had, um, I mean, I think it's – I don't see the production – falling off at all based off the offensive line that we have here in Carolina. So I, it's long-winded answer, long-winded, uh, you know, intro on Ben Johnson. But uh, I just – I think the world of, of his offense actually, actually, you know, diving into it a little bit more. Yeah, I'll I'll piggyback on on Ben here. The Ben is my 1A, my 1 to, to, to the Steichen 2, however you want to phrase it. Um the Lions were my favorite team in football to watch this year. That offense was so much fun to watch. And I just, I want that brand of football in Carolina. Uh, we've been pretty much the opposite of that for a long, long time. Um, and it, it's been um, control the ball, run heavy, pound it, um, and, and I'd love to see a modern football offensive scheme. Um, and, and that's what Ben Johnson runs. And it's the one of the better modern football schemes, in my opinion. You talked to the point of just scheming people open, doing more with what you have. They don't have some elite offensive line, but Goff had time. So can you imagine that with our line, our better line? Um, and then that opens up. With, with how good our line is with the run that opens up the run even more when you are, have the ability to, 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 to pass the ball like that. And I, I just think it makes your offense so much better. Um, I, I, and I also think with how good Johnson made Goff look this year, it, it really bodes well for 
the quarterback that he selects, um, what whoever that is, um, that that it, it gives it puts him in a position to succeed early, and that doesn't always happen for young quarterbacks. If it, I mean, assuming we draft one, that's that's kind of my hope, but it, that doesn't always happen. But it, he'll put whoever it is, whether the, even if that's Corral, um, if Corral were to win the job. Um, in a good position to succeed uh, without a lot of experience. And so I, I, yeah, it's, it's Ben Johnson one for me. And I think with both these guys, the, the key word is creativity. Um, It's not stagnant. Um, Bless his heart. You know, Ben McAdoo, I think did a serviceable job this year, but you know, the creativity is just not there. Um, you know, we did run some orbit motion and some stuff like that, but it's, it's just, you know, kind of like archaic and dinosaur level at this point with, with Ben. Um, and it both come, both of these guys come down to putting players in advantageous situations by using shifts and motions, um, and really challenging those defense defensive backs and their their rules and coverage, um, and it takes a guy who understands those rules uh, that the defenders are are in in the scheme and how to manipulate those rules and get those matchups that you want. Um, it, it takes that creativity um, you know, on the fly to be successful as an offensive play caller at this league. So, and I think both those guys have that and boy let me tell you like you said Wes you said it perfectly even though the Detroit Lions were I think what one in seven at one point every game that you turned on on Sunday was exciting and they were in the majority of those games I mean a lot of those games were you know one possessions uh play at the end that you know didn't get made um, with the exception of the Patriots game where they got their doors blown off and obviously the game at the frozen tundra at Bank of America Stadium where we kicked their doors in. Um, they were in the majority of those games and putting up points. Um, and that's all I want, man. That's all I want is to turn on the the, the TV on Sunday and think we have a chance. Um, when it was Cam, you know, it wasn't the best offensive coordinator, but I knew that we had Cam and we had a chance. Um, these guys give you that as a coach, knowing that they're going to scheme their way into you having a shot on any given Sunday to 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 win and to be in the game and it be competitive. Uh, and that's all I want. And that's all I'm asking for. So excited about both these prospects. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, Corey. The the, or, the orbit screens that was like the the most creative that we got, uh, and. You, could you imagine, you know, Ben Johnson having, you know, a LaVisca, you know, to play around with or, you know, he can utilize DJ Moore like he did with uh, Amon Ra. It's, I mean, he was scheming up, you know, Khalif Raymond, who's a special teams player, uh, you know, for, for four or five weeks at a time. It's like, you know, get this guy some, some legitimate NFL weapons and, 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 and let the, you know, the world be his oyster. 100%. So, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I, I originally Shane Steichen's been my guy, uh, for the last several weeks. I mean, Ben Johnson, somebody who I've, 
you know, kept an eye on. I think we all have for the last, you know, eight or nine weeks. We've always talked about, you know, how, how good the Lions are. We've played them in daily fantasy. Um, so I, I, I would say, you know, hey, maybe the one thing is he doesn't have, you know, that coaching tree that a lot, you know, that Shane Steichen does, you know, you know, hasn't been around those guys. Um, you know, to be honest with you, Ben Johnson's offensive coordinator, you know, could be Jeff Nixon, um, you know, who is here and done a great job as a running backs coach. I mean, he was the interim OC, um, you know, last year after Joe Brady was fired. And, you know, I think Matt Rule was probably like, hey, we're going to run the ball, you know, 30 times a game. So this is what you're calling, you know, very bland. It, it doesn't matter with Ben Johnson or Shane Steichen for that matter, because, you know, they're going to be the guys who are calling the plays. So you don't have to worry about, you know, that offensive coordinator, you know, getting hired away and then you losing your offense, right? So that that's the upside with these guys is that, you know, their system sticks around and it stays. It's kind of like, um, you know, Sean Payton, for example. Uh, you know, the, the offense still stayed, um, you know, regardless of the staff. So I, I think that that's, that's something to keep in mind when, you know, when you start to hear about, you know, well, what would his staff consist of? It's not, you know, as important as it is, you know, if, you know, if Steve Wilkes, you know, who his offensive coordinator hire is or, uh, you know, who would Frank Reich bring with him? You know, he didn't call the plays in Philadelphia, but there's just a lot of, a lot. And from a play calling perspective, you can have it however you want to based off of style, but you got Johnson and Steichen 1A, 1B. Um, and then, you know, maybe you go with a, a Ken Dorsey after that. But I, I definitely think that they're better play callers um, than, than Dorsey is at this moment. And that's no shot at Dorsey, but when I was watching that game, all I could think about was just Mike Shula, uh, Mike Shula's offense. Just that's what I'm watching. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, do we want to hit on Wick, Wilkes for a little bit? Or... Yeah, let's let's shift gears, gears to Wilkes. Um, you know, me and Corey's done a little bit of a talking here. Wes, we'll kind of uh, talk about this as a group. Um, the main thing I think for all of us is. Steve Wilkes proves that he can lead these these guys. He can lead this locker room. Uh, we know what the organization means to him, but I think that he has to nail his vision to Tepper, and he has to nail his um, offensive coordinator, uh, his plan, you know, for, for even defense because, you know, Holcomb's a, a great linebacker coach, but he's not a – I don't think that he's a, he's ready for a defensive coordinator job at this point in his career full-time. Yeah, um, I think – I'm I'm just gonna I'm already so biased on the Wilkes topic I just, I just really don't want to go with a defensive guy period and and we've talked about that um, for Wilkes to get the job for me and I'm sure to Tepper as well given a look at these these head coaching candidates he's gonna have to have a plan for exactly who that offensive coordinator is going to be have them on board and kind of have a have what he thinks their plan will be for the offense, for the quarterback, for everything, and be pretty much hands off with the offense. I, I think that's that's step one for Wilkes to win this job. Um, uh, Wilkes is, like you said, won the locker room, won the players over, won the defensive players over for sure. Um, great guy, great defensive minded coach. I think um, I, I think his scheme would be fine. Um, on the defensive side. And I think he would probably pick a pretty pedestrian defensive coordinator and really run the defense himself for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the key to Wilkes lies fully in who he hires as his offensive coordinator. 
Yeah. And I, I want to give Wilkes his fair shake here um, in this discussion. And um, because I have been, you know, adamant about my feelings. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to acknowledge that Wilkes accomplished six and six with um, a skeleton staff. I mean, I think, you know, we we were down to coaching with one side of the ball with like three or four coaches. Um, and that in and of itself is is hard to do, especially in the NFL. So um, we haven't seen what Wilkes can do for the Panthers in this iteration of his him as a head coach with his own handpicked staff. Um, but like I, like you said, Wes, it's going to come down to who he can get to be his offensive coordinator. Um, I want to say that I respect the heck out of Jim Caldwell. Um, I, I heard it floated around on the radio earlier and around Twitter that maybe it was like a pre-interview and Jim Caldwell was, you know, Wilkes picked to be the offensive coordinator. Um, I think a 67-year-old offensive coordinator is going backwards from from where you want to go. And I know that Jim Caldwell has done great things. That man has probably forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I'm not downgrading him. I'm just saying that is the opposite of what your fans are asking for uh, on the offensive side of the ball if that were the case. Um, I hear there um, could be a tie to um, what's his name, Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's intriguing. Um, you know, I don't know much about him other than I know he was at Florida um, a few years ago. So, um, you know, Brian right, Brian Johnson got uh, got Kyle Trask selected in the second round. So, well, I mean, well, <laughs> that yeah, that's solid. Re recruited Anthony Richardson. <laughs> that that is true. Um, and, and from all accounts, is that uh, you know how the how successful the Florida offense was was based off of him and not Dan Mullen, which Dan Mullen obviously got fired after Brian Johnson left. But um, and if you didn't know, uh, he actually was the starting quarterback on that Utah team that beat uh, Nick Saban in Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, and you know I, I don't want this to turn into like let me bash Wilkes. That's that's not what I'm trying to turn this into. What I'm what I'm trying to give is my legitimate concerns for him as a head coach um, going forward in the future. And I, I thought, you know, you saw it throughout the year was a couple of things that raise eyebrows is uh, game management. Um, I'm not saying go for every single fourth down and one, but when you're in a, you know, win a division game against the Bucks and you've got them on the ropes um, and you're close to midfield, like, let's go for fourth and one. You know, I mean, you've got offensive line. Um, you've got Dante Foreman back there. Like, let's let's get one yard, man. Um, it's, you know, uh, like uh, that those are the decisions that, you know, a more forward-thinking coach would 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 capitalize on. Um, and the, the biggest one for me is the end-of-half stuff. Like, I understand that Sam's your quarterback, but if Sam's playing well, and you get the ball back with a minute, you know, 10, um, a minute, 20, uh, even 55 seconds. Like let's, let's, let's try and go score. Even if it's a field goal, like let's, let's, let's push it. Let, let's, let's, let's not run a draw on first down. Let's not run a dive on first down. Like let's, let's push the ball and see if we can get a little bit of momentum and, and, and get a score before halftime. 
Um, and those are things that carry over from like a Rivera style coach. I'm not saying that Wilkes is Rivera. I've seen this on Twitter all week. Nobody's saying that Wilkes is Rivera. All we can do is gauge with the information that we've been given about the decisions that he's made as a head coach. And it looks very, very similar to the same style that of coach that Rivera is. And you can count on ground and pound, defensive, smash mouth football. All right. That's his identity. I think that's what he wants out of a team. I think that to his detriment, I think that's what he's going to sell to um, Tepper because that is this mantra. I, I understand keep pounding. This is separate from keep pounding, but that is what everybody thinks that Carolina Panthers football is. And guess what? It has been that for, you know, 30 plus years. Time to adopt a new mantra because that mantra isn't getting it done. Okay. That mantra isn't working. Time to try something new. All right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this, Corey. I mean, the NFL's a, a, a passing league. I mean, you know, when Rule tried to run the ball, you know, for X amount of times, I mean, it was, it was set up to fail anyways, but, you know, how many times did we say, you know, this isn't a running football? I mean, this isn't a running league. I mean, and Wilkes was successful because of the offensive line. So I I think that his philosophy was tailored to this team and the um, lack of playmaking ability uh, at the quarterback position. But, you know, to piggyback on the Ron thing, I mean, well, Steve spent time with Ron in Chicago and San Diego before coming here. So, I mean, he's you know kind of – grew up in NFL ranks with Ron, so it makes sense for him to have the same philosophy, and I, I, I totally get the similarities that are out there and, and the worries that, you know, with the lack of aggressive uh, calls, you know, could have went for it in a you know, Tampa game several times. Trust me, I get that. It's frustrating watching those games. You want to see somebody go for it. And how long did it take uh, before, you know, kind of the, the riverboat mantra came along? I mean, Ron did adopt even that aggressive play calling until his you know back was against the wall and um you know his job was on the line in, in 2013 um I, with, with with steve it just depends so much on the offensive coordinator hire and and i've heard his name linked to frank reich uh you know that's not a if you know frank doesn't get it i mean frank played quarterback here he's the first quarterback here um but you're basically looking at Brian Johnson, quarterback coach, making that leap. You don't know what it looks like. Frank Reich, is Pep Hamilton a name that you know would be considered defensively? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know which direction he goes. I don't even know if, if a Todd Munkin uh, at Georgia would be a name for offensive coordinator since he uh, has some time with him in Cleveland when he was there. I, on these coaches, it just depends so much on Steve, like – what is your plan offensively to sell Tepper on? Because I know what you can do defensively. I know what you can do in the locker room. But how do you fix this team from a quarterback standpoint and offensive standpoint? Because I think that, you know, those games where we don't run for 100 yards, we lose. And you just can't have that. And can I say something? Like, I want to clarify a point. I know I've talked a lot, but I want to clarify this. I'm not saying that running the ball is bad. Uh, I, I, under, I understand that you have to run the ball at some point. I, I do understand that. What I'm saying is bad is, you know, lining up in 12 personnel with an overloaded um, Cam Irving 
coming in off the bench. Um, so you got two tight ends and six offensive linemen and just lining up and with the best, best athletes in the world staring you, staring across from you and pounding in them into submission. That lack of creativity that you can watch, you know, on, you know, NFL classics from the 1980s, um, that that style is is what I, I, I don't want. It's it's not creative. It's not cute. It, it doesn't make you more of a man that you can line up with, you know, two tight ends and, and, and pound the rock. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like a Ben Johnson, a Shane Steichen is running the ball, but running it with with creativity on that side, using motion to to gain an advantage on a blocking angel angle, um, using um, different player personnel to get it, uh, numbers outside the box and, and then running the ball. Um, run the ball, but don't just line up and say, we're going to pound the rock uh, out of out of because we're bigger than you. Like that is what I'm talking about. That's the identity that we need to get away from because it's archaic and it, it, it has a place on the goal line, but, but not, not in this league. And, and nobody is saying that that's Wilkes philosophy. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, he was working with Ben McAdoo and, you know, scraps at quarterback. So I, I, I get it. He's at a disadvantage, but you want to see him have his own philosophy and, and, and know what that is and be aggressive. You know, he can control the aggressive nature of the play calling or decision-making going for it. But I, I just want to know, even if he doesn't get the job, I would like to hear what his plan was, um, you know, to fix the offensive issues that we have and to solidify the quarterback position going forward. I'm not putting any of the blame uh, from a play calling perspective on him. I think it was tailored to the weapons that we had uh, and how the team was set up to succeed. I just would like to to say that I think that if he can sell Tepper on his vision, then he has a great shot at getting the job. So I, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, because the fans definitely want him. Some most majority of people I see. Yeah, I mean, it feels you know we 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 feel like we should. I mean, we 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 feel like the Carolina Panthers again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we have the Carolina Panthers as we know it. Haven't seen a modern offense, so right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got that. I mean, we we tried to with Joe Brady, and you know, um, did we though? No, no, I mean we didn't, <laughs> but he did. No, Rule tried it with Brady, but then decided he didn't like it and told Brady what to do all the time. It had four got four guys over a thousand yards, right? Joe Brady was not that OC. I stand by that. Joe Brady wasn't the problem. No. Um, I sent it in the group chat when we started, just just came across right before we started recording. There are, according to Bet A Bet Online AG, the current odds. Do we want to do we want to talk through um, what the the current betting odds are for this next coach? Yeah, it's worth listening listing them now uh, since do we, we're do right we... at the beginning. Do we want to do also prediction? And I think we all know who which each of us want, but maybe we can get that on the record and then maybe a prediction. I, yeah, I can give you who I think is the leader going into this process, and then we can reevaluate next week after we do the last few candidates and you know what all came out. Okay, before I give odds, everybody give who they who they want, who they think the leader is. Corey, you Corey, go ahead. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll start. Um, 
I is Shane Steichen. I think that that's Tepper's guy. I think he's kind of had his eye on him. Um, I think Ben Johnson's made up ground over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, me personally, I I didn't think I would say this, but when we got through uh, Steichen and Johnson, Steichen was my top choice coming into the process, and I think now uh, Ben Johnson has taken that spot. Yeah, Steichen, that's my guy. Who do you think is Tepper's guy right now? <sighs> uh, you know, it's it's hard to say because. I, you know, I, I take everything that gets reported with a grain of salt, but like a lot of the people I trust and follow um, have been right on par. And, you know, initially I heard it was all arrows pointing to Steichen. Um, but then you hear, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, I don't want to know if you want to call them reports or whatever, but you know, you hear this news about Ben Johnson and it's like, do you believe it? Do you not believe it? I don't know. Um, I, I still, I think it's Steichen, man. I, I, I think it's Steichen. I think that's who the front office has their eyes set on. Um, I think that, um, that it's probably the football guys in the room showing it to Tepper and Tepper being like, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, I'm just shocked that Waldron hasn't gotten an interview with Scott yet. That's that one's surprising to me. I don't even know if he's. I haven't seen him requested at all by anybody. I haven't either. And yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a shocker, especially with what he's done with Gino. Yeah, um, my answer is the same as Matt. I want Ben. I think it's Steichen, um, leader in the clubhouse right now. And I, I ultimately, not just right now. I think it's that's that's who it is. So um, I, I think that's right. Like just. Reading it, I mean, Steichen's name has been mentioned for over a month now, at least. Uh, and as Tepper's guy, I'll put that in quotation marks. But um, it's you know, it's it's just a different uh, coach coaching selection now, coaching names, coaching carousel. Uh, you know, but it's it's tough to be confident in a guy who chose a, a short order cook. Maybe and maybe that's why Nicole is is setting it on on these interviews now, seeing what her husband's spending the money on. Even though she does have an official title in the organization, there's a a difference between making uh, charitable contributions involved in that side of the ball and uh, or side of the organization versus having a say so in the uh, the the coaching decision process. Is her title official pants wearer? <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> something's going on. Uh, maybe she's uh, like, "What the fuck did my husband spend sixty-two million dollars on?" Like, yeah, this is yeah. this is why uh, I'm not getting a new yacht. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe like every I seen everybody clowning it, but I mean, maybe it is. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm grasping at straws here, but like, maybe it is like a, a self-realization by Tepper. Like, he is impulsive, and he needs that voice in the room to confirm or deny or talk through what he's thinking and seeing that's not going to bullshit him, you know, like that's not going to, you know, have a job to keep by making him happy. You know, if you should be able to speak with your significant other very truthfully. So, I mean, maybe it's a good thing. All everybody does is in this society anymore is just fucking hate and bitch and moan and make everything bad. So 
maybe it is a good thing. Maybe it is Tepper saying, hey, I need you to either talk me down or um, reaffirm what I'm feeling about somebody. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you look back at last process versus this one. I mean, Scott's got a lot riding on this too because, yeah. you know, he's he's got to have a good say-so and, and pick a candidate. You know, last time we had Marty Herney and, and Dave, and, and Marty was just a, a corpse filling in uh, at that point, really. I mean, and then you had the head coach basically select the, the GM. It's, you know, not backward. I mean, it's backwards, right? So now you actually have a process in place where – uh, Scott, you you hope has a a large say so in uh, in this decision. Well, I mean, this is Scott's. You know, this is his time, man. Yeah. I mean, say whatever you want. I mean, I I know he probably had roles in those personnel decisions. I know he's not just been sitting idly, but you know, he's not got Matt Rule in the room. You know, coming into his office every single day talking about Sam Darnold. <laughs> so I mean, you know, that's. It's it's his chance, man. It, it's uh, you know you don't get too many cracks at it uh, as a GM, so uh, he knows he's probably got to get this right. I, I will say this about Steichen: I've seen Steichen and Carr linked more than one time, and I've also seen Carr linked to us with Steichen more than one time. Um, if for whatever reason Steichen's plan is to bring in Carr, he's an automatic off the list for me. <laughs> I think that um, I, I think that's a hard sell for for. For David Tepper, man, that would be a that would be a hard sell to to yeah. get on out again, right? Because we've went through so many reclamation projects, and plus, right. I mean, the, the 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 figure that's tied to you know Carr's name, uh, you know, with what he's being paid, it's not like he's you know has that 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 contract, you know, five million that we're taking on a Baker. It's a it's it's a large large amount, and obviously Vegas would be eating some of that, but. Um, Still, it's not it's not the retread that we want to keep going down, right? Like we want to, you know, get a guy mm-hmm. who's going to going to get their guy uh, and, and shore up this position for the next 10, 15 years. I think I think Tepper, and we're going to get into this. We got a long time to the draft, but I, I honestly I think it's 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 Tepper's going to say go get a quarterback in this draft. That's, that's that is what I feel is going to happen, and I feel like this head coach is going to come into this process knowing full well they're going to get to pick. Um, who they want, and we're going to get it done by any means necessary. Yeah, uh, I would love that. Uh, so I'll go through the odds then of yeah. next Panthers head coach per bet online AG. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, 5-1. to one. That's your best. That is your best odds. Steve Wilkes, 21-4, to four, which is plus 525. Um. Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, 11 to 2, so plus 550. Jim Caldwell, former Colts and Lions head coach, is 7 to 1. Frank Reich, 8 to 1. Ken Dorsey, 8 to 1. Dan Quinn, 9 to 1. Harbaugh, 12 to 1. D'Amico Ryans, 14 to 1. And Sean Payton, 20 to 1. So Kafka didn't get a slot on that list. Um, I think that's the only one that got missed on our that, uh, on our requested interviews. Yeah, and, and Kafka may not be on there just because that came out this morning. I don't know how up to date that is, but three forty one. Okay, so yeah, it's just not taking him into consideration, which is you know, it's fine. I mean, he, he's a long shot, anyways. He's probably a, a couple cycles off, but 
Uh, yeah, I, it's about what you expect. Uh, I think those three names that you're going to keep hearing is Johnson, Wilkes, Steichen. I, I think that ultimately that's that's who it comes down to. Um, funny to think that we're probably the, the most appealing uh, head coaching job out there, so I I wonder if that's going to speed up interviews, getting folks in here, uh, or if it's going to delay uh, guys making decisions on other offers out there also. Yeah, I mean <sighs> – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that you could interview during a bye week. Um, so I heard it was reported that we'd have to wait on Steichen. And you Dorsey. can interview, but wait, to, you can't hire. You can't hire them till after the Super Bowl? After they're done. Oh, that isn't. But you, get, you, can, request the, you can request the interview during their bye week, and, and I'm pretty sure that's, that's right. Matt, back check me there. Yeah, yeah, so we'll have to wait till uh, Steichen and Dorsey's seasons are over. Um, so it'll it'll drag out a little bit if it's them, if it's, uh, you know, Ben Johnson or one of the other guys, they can actually wrap it up next week, but you're not going to do that if they don't interview. So I'm pretty sure they'll try to get uh, Steichen taken care of first uh, after maybe Ben Johnson since he's his season's done. Uh, the Dorsey one is going to be a little tricky just based off of them not getting the bye and playing this week. So I I, I don't know the exact, but I, I think they have to wait until, until their season's over with um, before announcing the hire. I can't remember anybody who recently who's accepted a position while being on another team staff. I may be wrong. I just thought that you... You I can interview during the bye. I thought you could agree to it. It would be like understood that you're going to coach through the Super Bowl. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, who who would be the the most recent guys? Or anybody that's been hired that's like was coaching in a Super Bowl or? No, I don't know. I'm just mistaken. I'm just late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of that, we'll uh, let's wrap this up. Any any closing thoughts? We'll dive into. Uh, the rest of the candidates next week before we start draft coverage uh, after the head coach is announced, which is going to be uh, pretty much occupy the entire off season. If you're familiar with us, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the draft coverage as uh, the mock drafts have already started a little bit. So, Dude, excited for draft season. Uh, it's my second favorite season of the year besides football season. So. Love draft season. Um, I'll just say, fans out there, you're going to hear a lot on Twitter. You're going to read a lot when whoever we end up hiring, you're going to hear a lot on both sides. They're either going to be the greatest thing in the world or they're going to be the worst decision we've ever made. Um, the truth kind of falls probably somewhere right in between. Okay. So don't, don't, don't get too do uh down don't get too up and let the process play itself out and we'll see where it goes from there the true key with the hire lies with what he and and um tepper and all the the decision makers uh do after that with the quarterback position with who they who they sign fitter to obviously don't know why I left him out, but who they sign, who they bring back, who they don't bring back, and yeah, ultimately who they draft and and play at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, no other fashion. I mean, this is a, a huge off season for us. Uh, it's going to be entertaining. 
as if the mm-hmm. last few seasons haven't been, uh, you know, if we haven't been in the spotlight, whether it be, you know, dumbass coaches or uh, poor quarterback uh, play or stupid, well, not, not even stupid trades, just more quarterbacks. I'll say that. Um, I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, do some research on your own. Um, go through your thoughts. Just watch film, watch games, uh, read some articles on these candidates. Um, because, you know, last time uh, going through everything, it was like Josh McDaniels or, or Matt Rule, and we were sold on this guy's a great rebuilder. Uh, he got up there and delivered basically a sermon on his introductory press conference, uh, researched everything uh, about the Carolina Panthers and about our history, and, and, you know, you thought it was a home run hire. And then it turns out that the the guy couldn't couldn't cut it in the National Football League. He just was here to make friends, uh, was afraid to step on toes. So regardless of what's out there, form your own opinions a little bit. Um, this, this is a, a, I think that this cycle is better than it has been in previous years. Yeah, it's got a lot of unproven guys, uh, but they all do things great, uh, each of them. You know, even the three that we that we talked about. So just 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 form your own opinions. Um, enjoy the off season. Enjoy this process. Don't get pissed about every little thing. Uh, I know we make jokes and laugh about the Nicole thing. Like I'm not I'm not going to get upset about that because Corey made some good points about it. So just just think rationally about all this. Um, it's got long off season is important. Um, we're heading in the right direction for for once uh, in a while. So I mean we're looking up and 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 hey I don't think any of us here thought that we'd be talking about this this job opening uh, being the most attractive one of the cycle uh, at this time last year. No, no. <laughs> so uh, that, that's where I'm at. Uh, we'll, we'll get back with you guys next week. Uh, we'll break down the rest of the candidates uh, and we'll give you guys an update on things. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into the draft coverage and we'll break down the hire. Exciting. So, yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of stuff coming. Um, so just stick with us uh, as we grow and we appreciate y'all. Later. Peace.